Welcome to Apologetics Talk Radio with your host, Marty Mento, the Christian talk radio show that helps you learn the Word of God so that you may teach others and defend biblical truth. Now, here's your host, Marty Mento. Well, welcome back to Apologetics Talk Radio here on the ATR Network. I'm your host, Marty Mento. It's where lies are laid to rest under God's truth. And what a delight it is for you to be a part of this podcast here today. Uh, I'll tell you right now, you know, sometimes I, I stop and I think to myself, kind of go back in those olden days of Christian talk radio, wanting to talk about the um, issues of the day, because there's so much going on in, in our country, especially when it comes to the politics and everything that's happening with the impeachment hearings and all that um, But I realize, and hopefully you do too, that really what matters more than anything else is those things which are eternal, those things that belong to the kingdom of God. And I cannot stress this enough. I've shared this before with other people, and I firmly believe it. Um, Down deep inside, I know that what matters most is eternity, is what's going to take place when people step into eternity. And uh, just recently, a dear brother and sister in Christ and their family lost a loved one. Uh, just a total, you know, surprise to them. Um, and I know the hurt, the pain, and and the challenges of losing a loved one, especially when you don't expect it to take place. Now, the great part of this is um, their loved one uh, was a believer, and they know that they will see mom, they will see grandma. Uh, someday again, they will see uh, the gentleman will see his wife someday again uh, in the kingdom of God, and um, it, it, that's the exciting point. That's that's the place that we must truly strive. Um, and when Jesus talked about striving to enter into the kingdom, there's difficulties, there's challenges along the way, but the big picture is really what happens for eternity, and that's why. I have purposely for so long now have determined that I want to talk about the things that really matter, the things that are going to make a difference. And uh, that's why ATR has become so personal and so passionate within me, because I really want to prepare people. I, I want people to know what they believe and why they believe it so that they're able to teach other people along the way. And they're also able to defend uh, the truth, because there are so many lies out there today. So many people saying things that just are just not true. Uh, I hear it quite often, and um, uh, as I get older, I'm a little bit more laid back to some degree. Uh, some of you may chuckle about that. I guess some things never change, but I am passionate about stepping up to the plate and and sharing with people, hey, listen, what you're sh- believing, what you're holding on to just isn't true. And here at ATR, um, we really, truly want uh, to provide a podcast that will be helpful to you. Uh, Quite often, people will ask the question, what is apologetics? And I think I've explained this before, but I'll just tell you once again quickly. Uh, Apologetics in its most simplest form is just this, providing scriptural evidence to prove who Jesus is. Now, Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be the Son of God. So in in true biblical apologetics, we're going to provide scriptural evidence 
to prove who Jesus is. And and I like to say this because I firmly believe it. Apologetics is really a natural overflow uh, during evangelism. I mean, it comes from evangelism. As we're sharing the gospel, the good news, apologetics becomes a part of that. And um, you will find it all throughout Scripture. Many people in our day and age have believed apologetics to be, you know, you're trying to convince uh, the non-believer or, you know, that, uh, you know, there is a God for those who may claim to be atheist. It's kind of answering the agnostics' questions about God and his existence and things that they still haven't, you know, really they have much doubt about, whatever it may be, all kind of different things. But really, biblical apologetics comes down to Jesus. And the reason that it does is because Jesus said himself in John 8, 24, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Unless someone puts their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for their salvation, they're going to die in their sins. They're going to die in their natural state. Now, again, you've heard me talk about this many times before. And today's program is kind of going to stem from that once again, because I was sitting here thinking about this and thinking about the reality of life and the difficulties and the challenges and people going into eternity. We've talked about that here before on the podcast. But I thought to myself, you know, there are people out there, because I've met them myself, who said, you know, so what? I don't believe in Jesus. Or, you know, so what if I don't ever believe in Jesus, if I don't put my trust and my faith in him? And you and I, who are believers, if you are listening to this podcast, we know the final outcome. But there's a part of the outcome that I want to focus on today that I have mentioned before in, the, in times gone by. Uh, so it's, it's nothing new, but yet at the same time, I really want to focus on it today. And that is the fact that we, I'm like surprised, well, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but quite often in the Word of God, we see the mention of something that I think maybe we just kind of like, oh yeah, we know about that, we just continue on, and you know, or maybe we don't want to focus on it, especially in our day and age where people are so uh, sensitive about certain words and, and, and topics and stuff like that. But today I really want to focus, if I can, on something that I just recently preached on uh, down in Horry County, South Carolina. Uh, a dear brother in Christ, uh, Dr. Pastor Rusty Brown, uh, who is the uh, pastor of Galvin's Ferry Baptist Church, asked me to come and to fill in for him on a Sunday. And uh, I was blessed, as I'm always blessed. And, and I went and I spoke on the urgency of the gospel, the urgency of the gospel. Now, um, there is much about the gospel especially in the book of Romans, where Paul, and that's where I kind of focus, I just focus on chapter 1, and, and I talked about uh, really the fact that there are there, the importance of the gospel, I talked about the need of the gospel, and I talked about the urgency of the gospel. But in talking about the urgency of the gospel, there's a reason why I focused on this urgency, and that is because I think we don't understand that there is something that is repeated time and time again within the pages of Scripture that we must truly stop and take heed. I've always taught this because I believe it. I've learned it from others 
uh, who have greater wisdom than myself, but, I, but I, I've, I've come to realize the principle that in the Word of God, when you see things repeated, especially within the same uh, text, you should take heed. You, you, this is like like the red flags are going off, the, you know, up the si- signals and sirens are going off. This is of vital importance when you see something that is repeated uh, in the Word of God. And one of the things that I noticed as I was bringing about this message um, was the fact that there is something in chapter 1 and chapter 2 that is repeated, I believe, from what I have studied it, three times. Three times this is mentioned. And it wasn't until after I preached the message when I finally got back home and throughout the last week or so I started pondering this more. And I've been thinking about this more. And for some of you, again, we don't, I don't hear much of this topic today. Uh, I think there was a time I know growing up where I heard more of this topic, or or maybe even it was at times uh, something that was really on the forefront, but today it doesn't seem to be. But it goes along, I think you're going to find out here in just a moment, it goes along with what I'm saying is, is I realized, as this dear um, friend and family of mine and my, my family who'd lost a loved one, not expecting them to go into eternity, but at the same time have an assurance realizing that this person publicly proclaimed and lived a life that demonstrated Christ in her. That You've heard me talk about this before. When it comes to death, we know we're going to die. We just don't know when and we don't know how. And those last two are the most bothersome things, but we know that God says there's a time to be born and a time to die. God holds that. Uh, it's all a part of God's sovereign plan, and providentially everything is put into place, and, and we are going to leave this earth exactly when God has determined it, just as we come into this earth when God has exactly determined that too, because God is sovereign. He's in control. But here's the point. There's people around us, and we know that do not know Jesus Christ. We know that they're lost. We know that they have nothing to do with them, and we have people who have that attitude, so what if I don't believe, or what happens if I never believe? Well, I think so often we want to stay away from this topic that I'm about to dive into, and I know you're like, come on, Marty, come on, tell us what it is. But I really believe down deep inside that we don't focus enough on this. It's because it's one of those topics that doesn't make anyone really feel great about. Because when you really begin to understand or at least comprehend to some degree what this is all about, it is a very frightening topic. Um, it makes me take a step back. and po- It makes me look at my own life, my, my salvation. It makes me look at my walk with Christ. It makes me ponder and think that there's going to come a time where I am going to step into eternity. Now, this topic is not meant today to challenge you to believe that maybe you're not saved, but at the same time, I think it's a good thing. I think when we're always when we're challenged spiritually, it's a good thing for every one of us to really look at our lives, and though we make a claim to be somebody, are we who we claim to be? Is there enough evidence that is present uh, to define the fact that, hey, listen, we are who we claim to be? Now, once again, we're not without sin. We're not perfect. 
But at the same time, if we truly are born from above, born again, if we have the Spirit of God within us, there should be a change in our lives. It should be evident to people around us uh, from what's inside is going to come outside. Um, And this is where we kind of come to that point in place. But this topic is a topic that is really caught my attention. Because in the day and age in which we live, I think this topic needs to be more on the forefront. Now, I know for some of you and some folks who listen to this podcast, I know where they're going to go. I, I just know it. I, I can tell you right now, they're going to go, okay, he wants to go back. He wants to bring about, once again, hellfire and damnation being brought upon people. That's what he wants. He wants to hear that hellfire, damnation messages, you know, and this. And that. But, but you know, I, I think to myself, I'm not sure if it's, well, there's two things I look at. I believe in the last days that one thing will become very obvious more and more, that there is really no fear of God when it comes to men. They, they don't fear God. They don't. They they. It's almost like they don't care. They don't fear God. They do what they want to do. They applaud other people who do it. They even encourage people to do it. But there's no real fear in their eyes. They, they don't have any fear of God. But then sometimes I wonder, is the problem that we have not proclaimed to them that there is a reason to be fearful of God? And I mean this, too. I and it's so interesting because in the passage of, of Romans chapter 1, there is something that is constantly, actually three times, I believe, it is repeated in chapter 1. But in chapter 1, it says that God gave them over. God abandoned them. He, he, he gave them over to their own demise. We know that in the scriptures, there's three things that are that are prevalent within these people, even though they know there's a God, they know he exists. Simply as they're idolaters, they start worshiping, they start creating um, idols to worship, idols that look like men, like beasts, like creatures, and flying birds, etc., etc. Then we see the second thing is that they uh, are into sexual immorality. And very distinctively in the passage of Romans chapter 1, we see homosexuality, lesbianism. We, we see men with men burning with this patch. And, and we're told by God it's unnatural. This is not why God created man, etc. And God gave them over. We see the second. Then we come to the third thing where they have a depraved mind. Their mind is filled with wickedness and evil and hatred. The Bible even says they're haters of God. And I think putting this all together, that's where we get to the fact that there's no fear of God. They're not afraid of God. But at the same time, I am not sure today the visible church is giving them reason to be fearful of God. I think what we hear today quite often is God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life, a loving God. He he wants to help you. He wants to deliver you from this, help you with that, correct this in your life, do this and do that. But there is no true message that brings about you need to be afraid. You need to be afraid of what's coming. Now, I think it's not only what we say, it's how we say it. Most uh individuals that I've experienced in my life who bring about this topic, and I haven't told you what it is yet, but I, maybe you, you're probably thinking you know what it is, but 
you come to a point in place, I think a lot of these people become condemning. They want to condemn people to hell. They want to point a finger. They want to become judgmental. They want to not out of great passion and love for the sinner, not because they're afraid of what's going to take place with that sinner, is because they don't do that. That's not a part of their life, so they want to they want to come come down heavily. They want to hold signs and tell people you're going to hell and this and that, and they're they're just after people without truly being broken, broken because you realize that person is lost, and without trusting in Christ, uh, they are going to die in their sin, and because they die in their sin, they're ultimately going to experience what my topic is about today, and that is the wrath of God. The wrath of God. I've already mentioned this. It's very interesting. In chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Romans, the mention of the wrath of God, or God's wrath, it's mentioned three times, which if you look at that, it makes you take a step back and say, okay, wait a minute. It's obvious here for a moment that God... Because remember this, and I have lately been pointing this out to people. This letter is Paul writing to the believers at Rome. But the words on the parchment is God's word. It originated with God. It didn't originate with Paul. The Holy Spirit carried Paul along to put the words on the parchment. He guided him and directed him. And even though God used, uh, you know, the characteristics of Paul and, and his personality and things as he's writing, my point is simply this, all of Scripture is God-breathed. So this is what God is telling us. And even after I preached this message a few weeks back, this is what really stuck in my crawl. This is God telling us distinctively about his wrath. He's not pulling any punches. And he's talking about his wrath. And matter of fact, just so you're aware of this, because I, I want to help you to learn here as we're uh, going through Apologetics Talk Radio, because that is the first and foremost before we can teach others and defend the faith. But it tells us in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, you go a little bit further, and you keep on studying this. You go to chapter 2, you see in verse 5, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant of heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Then you go down to verse 8, and it says, but to those who selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation. So actually, the word wrath here is used four times. Uh, now, it depends on your translation, but, you know, three or four, does it make a difference? Well, it just intensifies to me just the reality of how important this is. God, in, in just these two chapters, now I know God doesn't put things in the chapters, men have, but here in the first two chapters of the book of Romans, is an understanding of the wrath of God. Now, this is what is mind-boggling to me, because when I do a study upon the wrath of God, I begin to realize that there are numerous places within the Word of God that talks about the wrath of God. 
And the wrath of God, not just as a topic, but it is something that I believe that we should not only proclaim, we should be aware of, but it is a warning. It is a fearful warning. I, I, I see here that God is pulling no punches as he's, as he's carrying along Paul to write this on the parchment, that he wants to make it clear about his wrath. Now, I think you and I know, we've talked about this before on the program here, that so many people, they, everybody wants to, you know, to believe that everybody's going to heaven. Um, matter of fact, again, you go to a funeral, everybody proclaims everyone to be in heaven. It seems like that anyways. No matter how wicked, no matter what they've done, they're in a better place. Heaven's a better place because they're there. All this nonsense that people speak. They got angel wings. They got a halo now. I mean, you've heard all this stuff. They've crossed over into the wonderful light. They've, you know, I mean, you just hear all this nonsense. It really is because once again, to understand God's salvation, we first understand that salvation belongs to Him. But, but this whole issue of the wrath of God. The wrath of God. And as I was sitting thinking about this, and I have to go to people that came and went before us because they are the examples, I would say, for all of us. Um, I think to myself that, you know, like for instance, when it comes to John the Baptist. Now, if, I'm not sure you've ever done a study on John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, there's no doubt about it, was a very unique man of God. He was one who was um, called by God, he was equipped by God, and he had a specific calling to go into the world, and he did exactly what actually the same calling that Jesus and Paul and the rest of the world were to do, and that, uh, or believers, excuse me, were to do in the world, and that was to preach repent and believe in the gospel. You've heard me say this before, Jesus is the gospel. So to repent and put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ and him alone, to recognize that he is the only way to God the Father in heaven. He is the door. He is the gate. He's the narrow way. He he is the one. There's no one else. There's nothing else anywhere uh, that man could turn to. There's no other name given to men underneath heaven by which we must be saved. Uh, Acts four twelve. I, I mean, you, you, for many of you out there going to listen to this podcast, you realize this stuff. But you begin to realize that even John the Baptist in his ministry, he questioned even the Pharisees about coming to him at the. Uh, the water's edge, when John is preaching and baptizing people who have uh, repented and believed, uh, you know, who told them about the wrath of God to come? Who warned them? That That's a big word. He Who warned you? And see, I believe today wholeheartedly that's where we have to keep our focus and we have to return to those who went before us, who were the example. Why did Jesus preach repentance? If you understand repentance, which is a change of mind, change the way you think, why do you need, and which ultimately would change your direction, but why is repentance necessary? Because obviously, as the Bible says, there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end it leads to what? Death. It leads to destruction. And so Jesus himself came preaching repentance. 
He was warning people, just like in John 8, 24, unless you believe, there's the warning, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. We see the warning that's constantly proclaimed, proclaimed by the prophets all throughout the Old Testament. They, they warned God's people unless they repented. This is what's coming. And ultimately, unless people repent and put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, ultimately they are going to experience what? The wrath of God. Which again, this topic, you just don't hear about a lot. And I thought to myself, even after preaching this message, did I do justice in this? Because there is really an intensity. There is such an urgency in this message because I don't think sometimes even as believers we comprehend the importance of the wrath of God. Now, I, that word wrath bothers me in the first place. When you, when you think of the wrath, you think of God's wrath. Um, and it tells us in Romans 1.18 that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. But what is wrath? I want you to think about this for just a moment. Obviously, in the passage here, it's God's wrath. Now, when we think about, even for a few moments, God, you know, God, he's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's all-present. I mean, we talk about the attributes, and we start looking at the characteristics of God, and yes, God is love, but God is also just. God is righteous. God is holy. And we know, because if you study the Word of God, sin is serious in the eyes of God so serious that even one sin, one sin against God, the result is death, separation. That person will experience the wrath of God. That's why people come into this world guilty. They come in guilty because they are born sinners. They have imputed unto them the condemnation of man from the head of man, Adam himself, but they're also coming to this world as sinners. You've heard me say this before. We don't have to teach children how to be bad or do what is wrong. We have to teach them how to do what is right, what is good. So I think to myself, first of all, when it comes to the wrath of God, it's God's wrath. But what is wrath? And, and as I thought about this, and I have really tried to take the time to just you know, ponder it and look at other passages of Scripture, I, I just realize it is the righteous and just anger of God. The anger that is brought forth, it's righteous. It, it's, it's pure. It, it's just. It, it's, it's the indignation. It's, it's what in some other passages God refers to as his vengeance. Why? Because sin is serious in the eyes of God. And this is what's got me fired up. And again, folks here, I'm not trying to be preachy. I'm just passionate in this podcast. I think we're missing it today. I think the visible church today is missing this because we we have a tendency, and I, I don't want to use the word we. Maybe i got to be careful of that because not everybody is, is thrown into this, but it seems to be the tendency of the visible church today is that we want people to feel good. We want the world to like us, to be accepted by us. We want the people that come in, we want them to feel good about themselves when they leave. We want to make them laugh. We want to, you know, we want them to be joyful and 
and just, you know, they we want them to be wowed. And you've heard me talk about this before, and I just had this conversation the other day with somebody, and I don't think they liked it, but you know, when we come to worship God, it's not about us. It's an audience of one. We're not the audience. God is. That's the problem with worship today. Worship in most of the churches today has become about us. It's become about the music. It's become about how we think and how we feel. It becomes about what we want. It becomes about what can you do for me? How does this help me? Uh, and the list goes on and on. But the problem is with this, that's not what worship's about. And I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but getting back on track, when we talk about the wrath of God, we're talking about that which is God is angered. God is serious because he realizes how serious sin is, and I think we don't. We don't actually comprehend that the Bible says God cannot even look upon sin because he's holy. He's so pure, he's so holy, he's a God of light, not of darkness, that a darkness cannot and will not ever be a part of who he is, will never be and will never be a part of his kingdom. And his vengeance is a just, his anger, his indignation is righteous. It's correct. It's right. And it is against sin. Now, i got to say this because I, I think I've said this maybe uh, sometimes before, but I, I want to reiterate this. <laughs> Some people say, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. That's foolishness because in hell is not the sin of lust, the sin of murder, the sin of stealing, the sin of swearing, whatever it may be. People are in hell. You can't separate the two. The, the guilty party the one who is a sinner, the one who commits sin. So, so the truth of the matter is God's righteous indignation, his vengeance, his wrath is against men. That's what the Scripture says here. It's being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. We cannot separate them and pretend for a moment because we want to believe that a loving God would not send anyone to hell. They're guilty when they come into this world. They're, they're guilty. But getting back to the wrath of God here for a moment, we have to understand that God's judgment, his wrath that is being poured out, and will ultimately be poured out in what is termed as the lake of fire, is God's judge, ju just judgment. It's his condemnation it is his wrath that is right. It is his determination that this is how sin needs to be dealt with. Now, again, I don't believe today, in most cases, in the visible church here in the United States and even around the world, is this the focal point. Now, I know what some people are going to say. That's why you have not pastored large churches, Marty. <laughs> That's why maybe it's why you're not even in a church right now as a pastor is because people don't want this. Well, listen to me. I, it's not about what people want. It's about what people need. See, this is one thing that I've learned, and I've had to learn the hard way. When I go to my doctor and I'm not feeling good, I don't want the doctor to tell me what I want to hear. 
I want the doctor to tell me what's wrong. I want him to tell me the truth. I want him to provide the evidence and say, listen, this is what I believe is wrong with you. And this is the reason why I believe it. And sometimes you know as well as I do that that most people don't want to hear that. They want to hear what they want to hear. And that's what bothers me because I I really believe, in my conversation with someone the other day, I brought up um, Jonathan Edwards in the the message or the sermon, um, The Sinner in the Hands of an Angry God. And if you remember the great revival that broke forth from that message, um, and if you know anything about uh, Edwards, how he preached, and what he, what happened that day, if you read the whole story, it's it's just absolutely, utterly amazing because it's God who just brought brought revival. Men were pricked in their conscience. They were convicted of sin. They were crying out to God for his mercy. I mean, it was just just overwhelmingly a move of God amongst these people through this, you know, preacher that maybe, you know, not many people really knew about. I mean, he wasn't, you know, super famous guy. And and his preaching style and, you know, and what, I mean, it wasn't, you know, people were lining up in the droves to go hear him and see him. But but at the same time, at that time period, you know, these so-called revival or these meetings and, and getting together and stuff like that, whatever they termed it back then, uh, you know, they, they, they were things that, you know, people would attend and come out and listen. But, but long story short, God moved. But I think to myself, when you look back, and I used to have a book that went back in the history of the Wells revivals and stuff like that, I, I find something in common. And here's what I find in common. Genuinely, passionately, men unafraid to confront other men, women, children, about the coming wrath of God. That's what I find so interesting, and that's why I am so passionately bringing this podcast on the subject today, because I began to realize there's more to this than meets the eye. I mean, when I think that these words in verse 18 of Romans 1, the wrath of God is being revealed— that means it is, you know, I guess in the Greek here, it gives us the understanding of continuously being revealed. It's not something that's going to happen in a one-time event. It's continuously being revealed, which tells me that today in our world in which we live, even right now, that we see a precursor to God's ultimate wrath which would be hell or the lake of fire. Which if you, I just saw somebody the other days, they sent me a small package with a bunch of tracks trying to say that hell is not eternal, um, yada, 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 and hell is eternal. The lake of fire, eternal. The fact of the matter is there's going to be an eternal punishment. And I, I don't want to get into all of that today, but I just, you know, there are people out there that believe all kind of different things. But but here's the key. It is being revealed. His wrath right now, even as I put together this podcast, God's wrath is being revealed against who? Ungodly, unrighteous men, period. Which the truth of the matter is we live in a world filled with ungodly, unrighteous men. So because of that, the effects of God's wrath the precursor, the the you know the little tidbits, the sneak preview, 
we we experience the effects too. This, even though it may be distinctively against the unrighteousness, the ungodliness of men, we as believers still, we ourselves experience to a, you know, some aspect or degree of God's wrath presently. Presently, excuse me. And it will continue to the finality or even the what we would call the fullness of God's wrath when it's brought to fruition someday, ultimately with the lake of fire. Just like the, we live in a fallen world, we as Christians experience today degrees and aspects of fallen humanity, the sin of Adam. We live in a world where people get sick, people die, bad things take place, people suffer. We see the effects of murder and rape and hate and jealousy and love of money, haters of God, disobedient to parents. We see all that, and we experience that to some degree. So when I look at this, I begin to realize here that God is really setting the stage. He's setting the stage for the ultimate horror, the ultimate pain, the ultimate suffering of his wrath. And I think to myself that this is something that, um, wow, how are we missing this? If we're believers and we truly have been saved by Christ, born from above, then this message needs to be on the forefront. We need to be warning, just like the Old Testament prophets, we need to sound the alarm to the people. The wrath of God is coming. You need to repent and believe in the gospel. You need to repent and put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation before it's too late. Now, I'm probably not going to get through all of this in one podcast because I want to break this down. But I do acknowledge that the Bible says that when it comes to the wrath of God for believers— that we are not destined for wrath. He delivers us. So in other words, and some people have a tendency to get confused of what I'm saying. You're not, if you're a believer, you're not going to hell. If you truly have the Holy Spirit within you, you have God's signature, um, God's guarantee, you are truly born from above, you are a child of his, your name has been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world, etc., etc. Uh, I am not here to shake up your salvation, though I do believe all of us should continually work out our salvation. We should look at our own lives, look at what we claim, to make sure that, it, 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 it you know, together with the Word of God, they go together. But I do believe down deep inside that we won't experience ultimately the fullness of God's wrath, but in the day and age in which we live, we will experience to some degree or some aspect of God's wrath being revealed to the men who are living ungodly, unrighteous lives, which at one time we were too. I mean, we come into this world as sinners. We were guilty. We, we are by nature, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, what? We're children of wrath by nature. So when we start putting this all together, we have to look at this and, and why this is so important, because there is an aspect to this 
that I think that we're just missing today. We're not warning people. Why am I so passionate about the gospel message? Because of the wrath of God to come. Why am I so passionate about continually encouraging people? Because there is an urgency. There is that which we need to let men know because there is coming a time where it's going to be too late. It'll be too late for them. They will step into eternity, and the judgment of God will already fall upon them. They will be separated from his presence forevermore. They will experience his wrath. And every time I read, uh, and I just, you know, take the time, open the Word of God, and I start studying, you know, the rich man and Lazarus, and, and, you know, he's constantly in torment and pain. He's suffering in this place of darkness, but yet there's a flame there. I mean, I could go on and on. He could see into into the Abraham's bosom, which is, you know, just he could see into the realm of heaven. He 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 he's guilty before God. He's he deserves a just punishment. He he wants a little bit of mercy with some water, and Abraham says, No, it ain't gonna happen. It, you know, I'm not sending him from here. You can't come here, he can't go to you. And then he begs him, Warn my brothers, go tell them of this place. And you know, and he says they have Moses and the prophets, if they don't listen to them, uh, they'll never listen, even if somebody from the dead comes back and tells them. Folks, if you start putting this all together, I don't know about you, but this, this has to shake you to the core. This has to wake you up. I mean, if it doesn't, then spiritually I begin to wonder, and I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't want to be judgmental, but I got, begin to wonder what's going on with your spiritual life. It has to shake you to the core. Unless we don't believe in the wrath of God, unless we have that mindset, well, the wrath of God, you know, come on, the wrath of God is, you know, it's it's for the really, really bad people, Marty. It's for the, the people that are so, so bad and have done such heinous things in life, but it's not for... Um, it's not for, you know, my mother or father or my kids or my grandparents or, you know, it's, um, you know, I think you're being a little bit, you know, um, you know, kind of wild and wooly here because, you know, that's, if you really believe that, I'm just being honest with you. If you really did, I, I'm not sure, and I, I want to be careful with this, but I'll be honest. I'm not sure with Bible, I'm not sure where you've come up with this. And I think for all of us, and I'll speak for myself, and I'm not trying to be theatrical, but when I think of people that I know that have not put their faith and trust in Christ and have went into eternity, I literally am broken. I am brought to tears. I am shaking in my boots for them because they're experiencing the wrath of God in a place where there will never, ever be any comfort or any peace. There will never be a, a momentary lapse of his wrath. It will be a, never a, be a time where God will say, okay, uh, let's give him a break for a while. No. Just like the person who experiences and goes to heaven, they will experience a bliss that will last for all eternity. This is what this is what is bothering me because again I'm wondering where is the church today that should be warning the people as the prophets of old warned the people also that you know what is coming is the wrath of God 
Now, again, I probably have got pretty preachy here today in some ways. In the next podcast, if I have time, and I'm going to do my best, I'm going to break this down and bring this more to the forefront. And there's a part of me that wants to do it now, but I know that, you know, podcasts, because of time, some people won't listen after a certain time and all this. But I, I, I just want to go over with you, and maybe I'll make it even shorter than this one, but I, I want to go over just some aspects of the wrath of God that's found within the pages of Scripture that should just, it should be a wake-up call for every one of us. This is not a joke. This is not a game. That's why I tell people all the time, Christianity is not a club you join. It's not a pastime. It's not something you just become a part of, or maybe you'll try it for a lie. Hey, try Jesus. Maybe you'll like him, Mikey. No, it doesn't work like that. This is not a game. It's not a fad. People say, well, that's just your religious belief. It's not religion. This is an issue of life and death. This is an issue of eternity. This is an issue that really, truly should spark and stir all of us who claim to be truly the children of the living God. Because once we understand what is to come for those who are not, it should bring us nothing more than sorrow and pain and hurt and a trembling in in, in this. It should well up within us. We got to go tell them. We got to tell everybody. The wrath of God is coming. We got to prepare them. It's kind of funny. The other day, I went not funny, but it's I, I was watching a, a a clip on TV of a movie that uh, had to deal with a tsunami, and there were people that understood the tsunami was coming, and they were running, warning people, and some were laughing at them, <laughs> some were mocking them, some were like, ah, "Okay, whatever, you know, tsunami's coming. Yeah, sure it is." And then all of a sudden, and there were a few that, listen, there were a few that grabbed, didn't grab anybody, grabbed their kids, grabbed, and they took off. I mean, got jumped in cars and on feet, on bikes, they took off. But in the midst of the people that were mocking, all of a sudden what they saw was this wave that started with wind, and then all of a sudden this massive wave came. And guess what? By that time it was too late. But I think to ourselves that we, we really are the watchmen on the wall, even today as believers. We need to sound the alarm. We need to let people know. We need to go and, and just proclaim to people the truth. You know why? You know, okay, you know, we need to go to the alcoholic and not be concerned so much with the fact that he's an alcoholic and that God can deliver you from the alcohol. But the wrath of God is coming upon you. That's what you need delivered first and foremost from. You need salvation. You need to be saved from God himself. His wrath is coming. And I've talked about this before, and I get some people look at me, and they'll, they'll, I get some real strange looks because people just don't want to hear that. They don't want to go there because to them, that is, once again, the hellfire brimstone. That is like, you know, you're, you're all you want to do, it's the fear factor, put fear. And again, I'm telling you right now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to truly be fearful. You need to be fearful of God. 
because once again, God's wrath is coming. It's not a joke. It's, it's not something that we should just push to the side. It's something that we have to realize is of the great importance. And I know for many of you out there who do listen to my podcast, you know I'm no nonsense. I, I, don't, I don't want to play games. But, but God, he doesn't play games either. He's, this is serious. You need to be saved from God himself. The people out there are on drugs, the, the people out there that are whoremongers or adulterers, idolaters, and thieves and murderers, you could talk about it until you're blue in the face about God can change your life so you won't do that anymore. But what they need to hear is that God is the only one through his son, Jesus Christ, the one that he has determined he can save you from himself. Why? Because his wrath is coming. His righteous indignation. His just anger, his vengeance is going to come upon you. And people should be afraid. They should be shuddering in their boots. They should be crying out to God, the only God who could save them for his mercy, for his grace. And again, as I said it before, and I'll close with this, it's not only what we say, it's how we say it. I sometimes wonder today if there is such urgency amongst most Christians because I, I, I'm still convinced many who claim to be, do they really know and do they understand, do they really believe what they say? Some Christians, and many of them, talk so flippantly about someone who's a sinner going to be lost. That it's no big deal. It happens all the time. So people go to hell. Do we understand really what the wrath of God is like in hell? So I hope today on this podcast, and I'm closing with this because it's went a lot longer than I anticipated, but the truth of the matter is just simply this. When it comes to the wrath of God, we need to be warning the world. We need to be telling the world very plain and clearly about what is to come. Folks, I want to thank you. I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for listening to the podcast. On the next podcast, I'm going to break it down and some verses I'm going to bring to the forefront that are of the utmost importance when it comes to the wrath of God. Um, Tell other people about this podcast. Uh, You can hear the podcast not only on Anchor FM, but you can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, just to mention a few whole list of places you can go to listen to Apologetics Talk Radio on the ATR Network with your host, Marty Minto. Hey, by the way, if you still haven't emailed me, make sure you do so to get your copy of Who is Jesus to You? It's a pamphlet uh, that really just helps you to share the gospel and defend the faith. It's all about Jesus Christ and the importance of salvation and that salvation is only through him. Until next time. May God bless you and your family. But once again, thanks for listening to Apologetics Talk Radio.